it's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gut. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, and friend request, and I will most likely give you one in return. So that's King David Lane, most major social media platforms, as well as King David Comedy. That's comedy with a K, King David Comedy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So uh, we're here to talk with us, but wrestling. Got a lot to talk about this week. We got uh, two unfortunate deaths. One kind of, I feel like, didn't get the detention attention that it deserved. Uh, obviously, there was another wrestling death that got a lot of attention. Uh, Pat Patterson passed away. Uh, began he got a, a lot of attention, particularly on WWE television, uh, for his death. So we'll discuss his career. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, I feel like they didn't cover the full spectrum of his entire legacy. I know when people pass away, sometimes they're uh, you tend to focus on only the positives, but we're not going to do that here. I'm going to try and do my best not to just completely run him down as a person either. I'm going to try to be fair, but there are some unfortunate parts of his career we're going to have to discuss as well. Uh, and also, like I said, I feel like Bob Ryder was was the deaf that we didn't give nearly a much enough attention to over the last uh, week or so since he passed. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, he had a, quite the legacy in wrestling too, you know. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. And that he was actually um, one of the sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for innovators for the internet wrestling community. Uh, that's probably as much of anything is his probably main legacy as far as uh, what really I think really put him in a prominence to fans of a certain age. Although that's not the entirety of his legacy, he went on to do other things as well. Very, very important things. You know, he was one of the founders of Impact Wrestling. So we'll get into that in just a bit. Uh, And actually, like I said, we do have some wrestling news to discuss in the world of wrestling. So we'll get into that. So I guess I'll go ahead and hop right in. I'll I'll, I'll start off with the Pat Patterson stuff because that is, I guess, considered the most uh, newsworthy uh, event. Uh, as far as not in ring for the last week. Uh, 
actually, there's things I didn't actually learn about him even really until, you know, he passed, like really right now, because uh, I had some stuff. Uh, obviously, I knew a lot about his legacy. Like I said, he's he was the first Intercontinental Champion. Uh, he was the... Uh, he won. He won it, and I'm using air quotes when I say won it in a tournament in Rio, Rio de Janeiro, because <laughs> the uh, Intercontinental Championship ended up replacing the North American Championship for uh, World Wrestling Federation. Uh, obviously, <laughs> there was no tournament, <laughs> but it's like one of those wink, wink, nudge, nudge things. Yeah, we had a tournament. That was back before the internet was a thing. You could just say something happened and it happened because we took your word for it. You couldn't actually do any significant research. That was one of the, that was one of the I guess good parts and bad parts of the pre internet era. It was a lot easier to create surprise and to keep K Fave and keep people dumb about certain things happening and not happening. But uh yeah, he was the first Intercontinental champion. That's like one of the things he's famous for. Like uh you occasionally see him uh, wear a T-shirt, referencing it with the wink, wink, and a nudge, nudge. But anyway, let's go back to the beginning of his career. Actually, this is the beginning of his life. He was born January nineteenth, nineteen forty-one. He passed away December second this year, obviously. Uh, when he came to America, he only spoke French, so uh, <laughs> that was not something I was aware of. Weird thing is, I always kind of thought he had an accent, but I didn't realize it was an accent because English was his second language. I never really thought of it that way. I thought he just had a, you know, uh, I didn't even realize, I guess it was really more of a French-Canadian accent that I think about. I never really thought about it that way. (laughs) I knew he had a little bit of an accent, but I never really thought about what it was. Actually, all things considered, even though his name was Pat Patterson, I kind of like thought of it as a little more of an Italian accent for some reason. I know our Italian listeners are probably saying, "What the hell are you talking about?" That doesn't—that's not right. But that's that's just what I thought. That's the thought I had in my head. So I don't know why I had that. That's just something that popped in my head. But at any rate, uh, moving move, moving on. He debuted in 1958 in Montreal, Quebec, uh, wrestling for a promoter, Silvio Sampson. Uh, four years later is when he immigrated to the United States to further his career. He did eventually become a U.S. citizen. Actually, he did uh, spend his summers eventually uh, back in Canada, and he would send a, spend the cold weather season—I mean, the cold weather season—in Florida uh, in his retirement years. Uh, he had a long-term partner uh, by the name of Louis Dundar, Louis Dundero. Uh, he actually met him in Boston, Massachusetts, while uh, working for uh, Tony Santos' a big-time wrestling promotion in about around '62-ish in that era. He later worked. He worked for Pacific Northwest Wrestling, Big Time Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida, American Wrestling Association, New Japan, uh, Lute International, as well as World, Fre- World Wrestling Federation. So, uh, actually, I did not. I was not aware of the fact that he had wrestled under the tutelages of the Grand Wizard. It, I just happened to see the Grand Wizard when they did the one of the photo montages, and I was like, I was. That was something I didn't know. You know, like I said, even though I've been watching wrestling for like, you know, uh, I guess you could call it, what, around 35 years now, uh, there's plenty of things that I knew and plenty of things I don't know. And I'm always learning new things, even about stuff that, you know, goes back a ways. So. Uh, he uh, won the uh, 
aforementioned WWF Intercontinental Championship at the time, WWE obviously now, but uh, he also uh, won the uh, WWF uh, North American Championship, which was the predecessor to it. So uh, I didn't, I was not aware that he beat Ted DiBiase for the title. So for the North American Championship, so. That was interesting as well. Uh, uh, he was not able to win the WWF Heavyweight Championship from Bob Backlund, however. Uh, he eventually did turn face uh, after the Reynolds tried to sell this contract to Captain Lil Bono for $100,000. Uh, the Wild Samoans, who were also with Albano at the time, ended up attacking him after he cut in a promo insulting Albano. Uh, eventually, uh, he he went on to feud with uh, Sergeant Slaughter in round eighty-one. Uh, led to a bootcamp match as one of his most famous matches. It was voted match of the year by Wrestling Observer Newsletter, by the way. Eventually, around nineteen eighty, began doing color commentary with Vince. Uh, did it from eighty to eighty-four. He was a face commentator. And he was partnered with. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon, as well as Vince McMahon at different times. He actually did a heel segment for French WWTV called Le Brunch de Pat, which he would politely ask questions in English and then mock the faces in French, which is kind of hilarious. I had never seen any of this, so this might be something I have to go back in the archives and uh, check out. I wonder if WWE Network has any of this stuff. So, uh, he was also uh, calling the action when Snuga jumped off the steel cage and splashed Don Morocco. So uh, he did eventually retire from in-ring action in 1984. Technically, it was a wrestling retirement, though. You know how wrestling retirement is. I'm done. Then there's another match. I'm done. I have another match. Uh, he pretty much wrestled all the way to almost until he died. Eventually, you know, he, he did win the 24/7 championship earlier this year. So. Again, wrestling retirements. <laughs> of course, you remember the Stooge era if you're a, may, maybe a younger fan. Uh, when he was uh, him and Gerald Bisco were Stooges for Vince McMahon in the uh, late 90s. Uh, he occasionally wrestled for that as well. So uh, part of many, many uh, interesting uh, storylines, uh, helping in feuds with Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Mankind, and The Rock. Uh, they were part of the corporation. He used to actually come out to, to, to real American Hulk Hogan's music is a thing, and they would actually flex coming out of the ring, so that was pretty funny. It is a lot of interesting things. So uh, He actually retired at least from full-time competition before I started watching wrestling. I started watching wrestling around 85, and like I said, he, tired, he retired the year before. Uh, so I know him more for his own pre- on-screen persona as far as mainly for the Stooge era. Uh, so that's kind of the way I'll always picture him in my head, <laughs> which is kind of unfortunate for him because he did have a long uh, storied uh, career as an in-ring talent. He did retire from a backstage role in 2004. Then he came back in 2005, limited. Uh he was a cast member on the WWE show uh, Legends House. 
And like I mentioned earlier, actually won the 24-7 championship beating Drift Maverick. Technically, that was last year, not this year, by the way. I want to stand corrected on that. Uh, one of the things that was uh, things that are really, really interesting about his career was he was openly gay, at least as far as I guess you could say in his regular life, he was openly gay. <laughs> he came out in the early 70s, but technically it was never completely acknowledged that he was gay officially on uh, WWF, WWE television. Jim Ross would make some jokes here and there about it. Uh, but it was kind of like an open secret. They just never officially said it on TV. Uh, it was never actually acknowledged on WWE television until 2014, season finale of WWE's Legends House. Uh, his long-term partner, Louis Dundar, Louis Dondero actually passed away the night of the King of the Ring in 1998, June 28th. They were together for about 40 years. Uh, And obviously, you know, that was a rough time for him, but, you know, Patterson's a company man, so he managed to, you know, work through it as as best he could. So obviously this was a time before gay marriage was a thing. Uh, so he never technically was married, but for all of his purposes, he spent literally almost the entire length of my life, because I'm 44 now, so I imagine being almost the length of my life with, with one person at times. So. Uh, he did have a, his, uh, there's a, uh, if you want to uh, read a little bit more into his life, uh, there's a book titled Accepted, How the First Gay Superstar Changed WWE. So that was a source for a lot of the material here. Uh, and that's uh, that's the source for a lot of the material that they use on, on the Wikipedia page as well. So that that was, like I said, he, he had a great long story career, both in front of the camera, behind the camera, a lot of different roles, whether it be in talent relations and producing and road agent, etc., he invented the uh, Royal Rumble match as well. He was even a referee for a while. He was actually a referee for the main event at the first WrestleMania, as well as the main event at WrestleMania 11. So, uh, Now, we'll get to the rough part of this. There are multiple accusations of being a sexual predator. I don't mean as far as there's there's nothing as far as I can tell as far as a sexual assault. So I wanna I wanna make that clear when I say sexual predator. Sexual uh he was more of a serial sexual harasser. Uh one of the announce former announcers for uh WWF at the time, Maury Hodgson accused him of sexual harassment. There's been previous reports that other wrestlers had been a proposition for a push. Uh, he was actually released from the company when these accusations were made by Hudson. Once the charges were uh, dropped, he was rehired. 
Uh, I know Brickhouse Brown uh, on an earlier iteration of this show. This is actually Ted. I think I think it was technically uh, when it was VOC Wrestling Nation. It might have been when it was one Wrestling Nation, but I think it was VOC Wrestling Nation. This is before I was on the show, I, I believe. So, uh, but Brickhouse Brown had made accusations that there was it was kind of well known. If you wanted to push, that would be a way to do it. So you might, you know, go to a hotel room with uh, Pat Patterson, and then you know some things might happen, and then you, next thing you know, it might do good well for your career. So. Uh, now, uh, that said, I don't think he ever I don't think he ever was convicted of anything. Like I said, they're just accusations. There's many of them, but I, I felt like it would be remiss for me not to acknowledge this. While he, he certainly had a love fest after uh, his passing, and he definitely appears to be a beloved figure by many. Everybody did not have the exact same opinion of him. And, you know, I, I didn't want to uh, just tell part of the story. That is potentially part of the story as well. So uh, you have to kind of draw your own conclusions about it. You know, I don't want to be the kind of person that like uh, runs somebody down in death, but I also don't want to be the person that just ignores stuff when people pass away and assume everything's great and everything's wonderful. They were, they were perfect people. Uh, so, and also I want to make clear, I'm not saying this has anything to do with his sexuality as well. You know, like I said, you, you can be a, gay person and to behave yourself in a normal, completely healthy sexual manner. The harassment is unrelated to that, you know. <laughs> like I said, there's straight there's straight harassers, there's gay harassers, there's bi harassers. I think the only kind of sexual orientation where it's not harassed is probably asexual. That would that would be weird to have an asexual harasser, but anyway, that's a story for a different day. At any rate, uh that was uh a rundown of his career and his life. And like I said, he definitely, regardless of what legacy he had in certain other parts of his life, uh, being the first openly gay superstar, uh, that's a major achievement in his life as far as uh, being a trailblazer, uh, creating a Royal Rumble match, huge part of his legacy. had a life, I was, well, I can't say lifelong love love affair, but definitely 40 years, that's longer than many people's lifespans. Uh, uh, love affair. Uh, storied wrestling career. Storied champion. So he had a, a long, celebrated career in and out of the ring. <laughs> but so, uh, We'll go ahead and uh, close the door on that part of this show. Uh, but he definitely had an amazing career, and uh, I would have felt bad if we didn't cover uh, his life and his death. But like I said, again, on this show, we have to cover the good and the bad. So uh, Next, we want to move on to another uh, sad passing in the world of wrestling, uh, Bob Ryder. Uh He was a wrestling journalist. He also happened to be one of the founders of Impact Wrestling. Uh, now, back before the internet, when you just had like more of a series of sites, as well as a, you know, you had the, uh, as well as later on, now you have apps and stuff too to go with the sites. But uh, 
back in the day before you had broadband, we had dial-up. You used to get like CDs, and you could use AOL, you could use Prodigy. There were some other services you could use. Uh, Bob Ryder was the head of Prodigy's uh, professional wrestling area. Uh, he became the first person to conduct online interviews with uh, WWE. Uh, he interviewed Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels during WrestleMania 11 and 95. He was also a founder of OneWrestling.com, which is uh, technically, I guess, One Wrestling Radio was the earliest version of this show. This this show has sort of changed a lot over the years. Sorry, sorry to take a little little bit of sidetrack from Bob Ryder, but since we did bring up one wrestling, I did want to break the news. I think I'm the first person to talk about this on the air, even though it did break on my Twitter account. But Bill Apter of OneWrestling.com, the current edition of it, will actually be returning. Uh, well, I can't say returning, but he'll be joining the network, VLCNation.com. He'll be having a show on the network uh, very, very soon. Uh he actually hosted one wrestling, uh, one wrestling radio with Bruce, who was the voice of Tor- Choice, who was the VOC and VOC Nation. That show used to be on the air in Philadelphia. Eventually, it moved online to VOCNation.com. Uh, later, Bill After left the show. That's why, because uh, there was a little bit, there was a little bit of a conflict with certain relationships and whatnot. So you know, it kind of made things. Hard to work, and I believe I believe Bob Ryder might have still been with One Wrestling. That would is kind of weird trying to navigate that Bill after, and also you know him working for Impact Wrestling and who you can interview and what you can say and that sort of stuff. So I think that was part. And by the way, I'm not speaking on this officially. This is this is my understanding. I could be a little bit wrong about all of this. <laughs> I just want to make be clear about that. But anyway, back to the point I was making. Bill after is returning to the network, so I think I'm breaking the story as far as. On the on the air news for that, but anyway, I figured since I, since I did bring up OneWrestling.com, I would bring that up. But anyway, uh, he was also uh, Bob Ryder was found, one of the founders of uh, OneWrestling.com. He was a webmaster for Extreme Championship Wrestling's website. He actually worked for World Championship Wrestling. He calls to WCW Live with Jeremy Borash. He was uh, friends with Eric Bischoff, and actually with Boris. His voice was the last ever heard. On WCW broadcast, as far as the announcement, uh, after uh, it was bought by WWF. Eventually, uh, after WCW and ECW fell, uh, Ryder helped convince Jeff and Jerry Jarrett to start a pay-per-view exclusive promotion. That eventually, became NWA Total Nonsense Action. Later, became TNA. Later, became Impact Wrestling. He was actually the first employee in a company's history, and he was the longest tenure employee in company history. And he was employed from it from the time it started in 2002 until he passed away, you know, a few days ago. Uh, he actually passed away uh, November 24th. Uh, so I do want to stand corrected. I, I thought he died earlier uh, this month, but it turns out he actually died in November. And I, like I said, I was I've been a little bit busy, like doing some renovations in my house and stuff, but I literally saw nothing about his death. And he was a very, very important person in wrestling, although a lot of people might not have known him as far as this generation of wrestling fans. Uh, But he was a very, very important person, like I said, again, in the journalism aspect of it, helping create and foster the original Internet wrestling community, uh, providing an alternative to WWF after, you know, WCW and ECW went, uh, went. 
So his uh, impact, pun slightly intended, on the world of wrestling is very, very important. So I felt like uh, it should not go unrecognized that he passed away. Uh, so uh just want to send a rest in peace to Bob Ryder. Uh, uh, he battled cancer. Uh, he initially was given three to six months to live, but he eventually started going remission. Then it did return. And he was found dead in his home in Nashville, uh, November uh, of 2020. So, uh, Impact referred to him as the heart and soul of the promotion. So that that tells you how highly they thought of him. So I definitely wanted to, you know, pay him tribute on the show. Like I said, all of us internet wrestling fans definitely owe him a debt of gratitude. Anyway, like I said, let's move on into some other happier news in the world of wrestling. Uh, NXT TakeOver War Games uh, took place last night. Unfortunately, I was not able to watch all of it, uh, so I won't be discussing the entirety of the pay-per-view. I will discuss the two War Games matches because I made sure before I came on the air today to watch those. I definitely wanted to be able to discuss those matches. Uh... I gotta say this, of the two matches I watched, which both the War Games matches, I must say the women's match was superior in my book. And that's not to say that the men's match was bad. It's just, I definitely love some of the spots they did in that match. And that's not to say that there weren't good spots in the men's match. But I feel like the woman let up, took out all the stops. And, and my favorite spot of both matches was the uh, Io Shirai <laughs> dive off the cage with a garbage can. I've seen some crazy stuff in some wrestling matches. That's out of out of WWE matches and NXT matches. That might be the craziest, funniest thing I've seen. That was not only crazy and funny, but also hardcore at the same time. Hell, I don't remember if I've ever saw anybody jump off of a cage in ECW with a garbage can on their head. <laughs> that was pretty freaking nuts and amazing. <laughs> they also did a good job, not only with some of the great spots they did, uh, Tony Storm using her belt to uh, keep the cage door shut was great booking. Or I don't know if it was booked that way. She just sort of, or she just sort of improved it. Rhea Ripley using her belt to tie up Dakota Kai so she couldn't fight back. Again, I don't know if it was booked that way or it was just great improv. But that was the sort of stuff that made that match incredible to me, and it laid off the show on top of it. So got the show off to a hot start. It was it was it was an amazing match, and the uh, entire Emmett. NXT women's roster that took part in the match should be very, very proud of themselves. Like I said, I still need to go back and watch some of the singles matches and some of the other stuff, but I have a hard time believing that anything else on the card will match what they did in that match. That said, the, the, the War Games men's match was also great, and they did a great job of storytelling in that match as well. Uh, obviously, Undisputed Era got their sort of revenge 
And that's sort of what war games is all about, getting your revenge from a slight or perceived slight. Uh, oh, yeah. One more thing about the women's match. They did. They did also did a good job of building up Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, they had her pin the champion. They had her look strong throughout the match, and they sort of created another t- contender for her. Because previously, she's sort of been like a bodyguard, you know, sort of backup. But this puts her in a spot where she could legitimately contend for the title. So, great job in booking on that front as well. But anyway, uh, back to the men's match. Uh, this match did a great job of storytelling as well. Like I said, the wrestling was great. You really can't have bad wrestling with Undisputed Era in a match. Anyway, uh, Pat McAfee took a little bit easier in this match than he did in the last match, but all the work he did was solid, even though he didn't do a lot of work. I think they kind of decided with seven other wrestlers in the match, they'll let him sort of take it easy. Uh, but the stuff he did was good. He did great heel work. Uh, he had great reactions to some of the stuff they did when he was ganged up on, when he took some big shots. He had a great uh, moonsault through the table spot. He had a great spot with his uh, senton off of the cage. So uh, he continues to do amazing work both on the mic, both as a character and in ring work. Although I felt like he was a little bit lazy tonight, not doing that much. <laughs> but everything he did was good. Uh, overall, the match was, like I said, it was a great match. Like I said, I have I have no complaints about this match. I want to make that abundantly clear. I still just thought the women's match overall was better, though. Now, I'll have to check out the single match and see how, the, how they worked out. But overall, if if the rest, even if the rest of the card was completely mediocre, this was a great pay-per-view. So, hats off to everybody on NXT roster for doing a great job. At any rate, let's move on to some other thoughts that I got in the world of wrestling. Uh, congratulations to Becky Lynch and to Seth Rollins. Uh, Becky Lynch gave birth to a baby girl. It's spelled The name is spelled R-O-U-X. So it's Rue. I think that's it. It is a French name with the origin meaning reddish brown. So welcome to the world, Rue. You are the love of our lives. Hashtag and new uh, Lynch wrote on Twitter. So, uh, as I stand corrected, this is actually, this is an Instagram post. I just thought a hashtag to assume it was Twitter, but technically it was no, it was, it's actually, uh, it was a Instagram post. So anyway, congratulations to them. They did post a little picture of them holding their newborn's hands. Uh, so congratulations and other wrestling news. Because that's what we're here for. We discuss wrestling news. I was able to watch uh, New Japan. I was able to watch New Japan wrestling for the first time since it went off of Access Television. So I believe they're on episode 18 of their NJPW Strong Show. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail on the show, but obviously I, I see the Bullet Club still going strong. The one part that was most confusing to since I hadn't seen it probably in a year or so. Uh, apparently, Juice Robinson's doing a Bruce Brothers gimmick now because I was confused. I was like, "Who's this guy that's dressed like a blues brother with raggedy sleeves and sparkles?" <laughs> but apparently, that was Juice Robinson now. 
I was like, okay, I'm confused. Maybe I'll, when I go back and try to maybe get caught up on some of the other wrestlings, uh, or I'll try to get caught up since 17 episodes is like, uh, that's about 17 hours. I might gradually be able to get get through that over the uh, Christmas holiday, depending. So if I am able to figure this out, I will let you know that, I, okay, that's why he's the Bruce brother now. But anyway, New Japan Wrestling is always a good watch and enjoyable show, so I look forward to getting caught up on it a little bit. Uh, MLW news, Davey Boy Smith Jr. is leaving MLW. Uh, once I saw him lose in the first round of the Opera Cup, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he's probably leaving. <laughs> I was actually surprised. I, did, I, did, I didn't think he was going to win the tournament because, like I said, I did make my prediction last week that I didn't think he was going to win it. I thought he was at least going to make it to the finals, though, so... So I don't know if uh, he ended up selling the trophy or are they going to do replica trophies or what. But I knew prior to the last tournament that he earned, earned the trophy. I was like, well, if he owns a trophy, he's definitely going to win the tournament. <laughs> I don't know if he sold it to MLW or what, but it's going that direction. Uh, by the way, on a related note, since I did finally get around to watching New Japan, and I was actually able to watch pretty much all the wrestling that I watched last week, you know, MLW, uh, Raw, SmackDown, Impact, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, AEW, both, you know, Dynamite and Dark, NXT UK, 205 Live, uh, I believe it, oh yeah, NWA's new, new uh, Shockwave program, I checked that out as well. I was finally able to watch pretty much everything within a couple of days of the start, I'm going to try to get on a schedule where I can actually watch it on the same days every week, provided, you know, some, you know, major event that I'm not, you know, unforeseen, but I actually had to write out a schedule of when I can watch what wrestling, because I almost watch nothing live because I like to be able to fast forward the commercials and I like to be able to easily uh, rewind and fast forward and skip parts, you know, that aren't, you know, relevant, like, uh, all the advertisement for the t-shirts and whatnot that are still technically part of the show, but aren't the technically during the commercial break. But anyway, I like to be, a, I usually watch most of the shows the next day. The only thing I might watch live or close to live are pay-per-views because I don't want, I really want, don't want those spoiled for me. I try to avoid spoilers for Raw and SmackDown and Dynamite and stuff too, for the most part. But I especially, you know, try to avoid spoilers for the, the pay-per-views and stuff. So, <clears throat> also, I have to try to remember to keep my phone placed face down. So, when those darn ESPN alerts and other alerts pop up, I don't actually see them. But anyway, I finally came up with a schedule of when I can watch what wrestling, especially with most of it being the next day. And here's King Davis official wrestling watch schedule. Sunday, pay-per-views. If there's any pay-per-view on a Sunday, I will probably watch it live or close to live, depending on what I got doing, because I do have improv rehearsal a lot of times Sunday night. So I'll try to watch it either immediately after or I'll watch up until the point when rehearsal starts. The rehearsal usually doesn't start until around 8 o'clock, so I can usually get in an hour or two of it before, depending on what I'm doing that day. But anyway, Sunday I'll watch the pay-per-views, unless there's a Saturday pay-per-view, which... Uh, which uh, AEW does, and I think Impact does sometimes too. And Ring of Honor is usually on Friday, I think. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sunday I watch the pay-per-views. Monday is a makeup day, so anything I didn't 
get from the previous week. I'll try to watch on Monday. Tuesday, I watch Raw and Ring of Honor because they drop on Monday. Wednesday, I'll try to watch Impact, NWA, AEW Dark. They usually drop on Tuesday. Thursday, I'll try to watch AEW, NXT, and then I'm on W because they all drop Wednesday night. Friday, I'll try to watch NXT UK because it drops on Thursday afternoon. Although, since it does come on Thursday afternoon, I might be able to squeeze that in on Thursday, depending. And, of course, Saturday, I'll try to watch 205 Live, New Japan, and SmackDown because they all debut. uh, New Japan actually debuts, I think, on Saturday, but since their time is so far ahead of us, it comes on, I think, really, really early for us. Because I had, I had, uh, I, I just happened to notice that it was available at a relatively early uh, time for me, which is like noon on Saturday. I think it was available, or definitely early in the afternoon. I was like, and it's supposed to come on at night, but then I realized, oh yeah, it's probably coming on in Japan time. So blah blah blah. But at any rate, if you need a schedule to help you keep track of when to watch what wrestling, you don't, especially if you don't watch it live, I feel that that's a good schedule. Now, if you've got a really, really uh, boring detail in my life, I'll move on with some other wrestling news before I get out of here because uh got a couple of minutes before my uh, <laughs> I run into the radio time limit. <laughs> at any rate, uh, it does not appear I will be having a cold this week because, uh, unfortunately, Chris Best is still under the weather, unfortunately. Uh uh, he he has had some issues that he might discuss when he comes on the air. I'm not going to get into his business publicly. If he wants to discuss, he can. But just let him know we are we're rooting for him to uh, make a speedy recovery. Uh, Brian is probably at the liquor store, so he's not available this week. He's either at the liquor store, or Lowe's, or the grocery store, or the drive-thru, or something. Because that's the way it works. Otherwise, I would assume he would have called in. But anyway, let me go ahead and uh, do a little bit more uh, wrestling news before I get out of here. Let's see which stories that I had prepared that I want to check out. Uh, oh yeah, we definitely definitely want to do the ratings for uh, last week. Last week as expected, with the winners coming uh, episode of AEW Dynamite. AEW destroyed NXT. <laughs> They they had almost a million viewers. They had 913,000 viewers, a .42 rating, adults 18 to 49, whereas NXT did 658,000 viewers, .16 rating, adults 18 to 49. In the men's 18 to 34 demographic, the defeat was even more brutal, .29 to .04, seven times higher ratings in 18 to 34. Now, I know, obviously, that's a smaller segment of the population, but 18 to 34 are going to be the fans for the next, you know, hopefully for AEW. They'll they'll hopefully be fans for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, assuming, you know, the company, if the company's able to stay around that long. And not only that, these are the people that will be having the kids, and that will help build up their uh, toy and video game market as well and stuff. So when we talk about the youth, the younger uh, demographics, it makes a huge difference as far as who's watching your product, who's buying your product. Obviously, the older fans tend to have more money, but the younger fans are the ones that will be making the babies and will be bringing their families in, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, 
Oh yeah, by the way, uh there was some great news for uh Impact Wrestling and the rating news as well. Uh apparently since they made the top one hundred and fifty shows on cable, uh their wrestling rating data is available on a weekly basis. So if you make the top fifty apparent top of one hundred and fifty apparently, you do make the rating. So uh they actually get hundred and sixty six thousand viewers with a point oh five in the adults eighteen to forty nine demographic, it was actually rated one hundred and twenty one on cable for the night. I mean, which is not great, but at least they were ranked. <laughs> so uh congratulations to them. That that usually doesn't happen. Anyway, uh in addition to that, Raw did one point uh seven million viewers with point five three in the key demo of eighteen to forty nine. And by the way, uh, I wonder what kind of bump the Impact will get with Kenny Omega, who just won the AEW World Championship, uh, appearing on Impact. If they don't do at least 200,000, I would be shocked, and they should be very disappointed in themselves. I think they could very well do 250,000. Obviously, I think they, they probably could do more if access was available in more homes. Or people knew where to find it. <laughs> I know I do not currently get access because that was the one. That was literally the only thing I felt like I lost when I went from uh, AT&T Now, which is their streaming service, to Google uh, Google uh, YouTube TV. Uh, that was the only channel that I noticed that I lost, and that's strictly just due to the fact that. I didn't see, see Impact. Of course, there's other ways to see Impact, I guess. And that's how I do it, allegedly. <laughs> so I still watch Impact, allegedly. Plausible deniability, folks. Look it up. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am very, very excited. They did it. By the way, Winter Ritter's Coming was a great show this past week. I was actually surprised that it only had like five matches, but then I realized they had a nice long title match, and they were also actually booked. In case the, the match ran long, the sh- they uh, they did have permission to go a little bit long in case. So, uh, but it was a great match, and I did not I did not completely see that coming. I thought that Don Callis could be involved, but I did not predict that <laughs> that we we're, were going to get an announcement that <laughs> he's taking the title <laughs> to Impact. Although I did think it was kind of ridiculous that a executive vice president of Impact Wrestling was on AEW Dynamite television. I kind of thought that was ridiculous. So maybe I should have saw it coming a little bit more. But I just, I, I just, I had the feeling that this is kind of ridiculous. So uh, I guess maybe it was kind of hidden in plain sight. The great, great job for winners uh, for AEW and the winners coming show. Uh, Fun battle royal as well uh, for the uh, for the little diamond ring. So we're gonna see who wins that as well. Overall, very very exciting show. At any rate, I think that about covers it. Like I said, I don't want to risk overrunning for the rest of the show. So since I still did a, a solo show, I felt like that's plenty for this week. Next week I'll try to get into some a little bit more newsy stuff other than sad passing away. Hopefully nobody will pass away the next weekend over the rest in uh, 
2020 has been a rough year for a lot of reasons. Uh, celebrity deaths, wrestling deaths, COVID, lockdowns, quarantines, et cetera, et cetera. It's been a rough year. So uh, I don't know if I've ever been more excited to see a year end than I will be when 2020 is gone. So at any rate, you've been listening to Wrestler Problems. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next week. I came looking for booty. I like you and I want you. Now we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. Well, I don't think you and I will be doing anything any kind of way.